little thing called murder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Little Thing Called Murder. I'm Megan. And I'm Jaden. <laughs> nice I to hope, meet you. <laughs> yes, nice to meet you. Hope you're enjoying this super gloomy day um, of cold and wet that I am not loving this weather. Like, can we just get warm again? It's like May 9th. Honestly, I'm not surprised. Mother Nature had to give us a couple days of, like, 80 degree weather and then take it right on back just like rip it back like make us all cry but so also i started schitt's creek like last week do you love it oh my god i'm obsessed with it and i also but i wanted to preface this whole episode with the fact that i will probably end up talking like them because i have noticed that really I love that. So I also find myself doing like Alexis's little like hand things where she puts them like both together and like how would you describe this? Like like a like a bunny or like a yeah. puppy? Well anyone that has watched Shit's Creek, which I feel like True. a lot of people have, they know exactly what you're talking True. about. If not, just Google it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm obsessed. I watched it when it first came out. Like, I watched the first episode, and I was like, this is too forced. I'm not a fan. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved in with my roommate, she watches it all the time. Um, For the longest time, she wouldn't watch the last episode because she was like, I don't want to watch it because then it's over. But um, I would see episodes while she was watching. I was like, wait, this is actually really funny. (laughs) No, I thought the same thing because everyone, like, is like, oh, my God, it's so amazing. I'm like, yeah okay I'll watch it and I was like oh this kind of feels I got the same thing it's like mm, not really my thing but I kept watching it and I was like okay no it's funny okay yeah you're like it. not really my vibe but then you get used to, like I don't know what it is it's not really like getting to know the characters I think it's just like how like you're not used to that kind of um I don't know how to describe it like just them yeah. You know what? If you watch this show, you know what we're talking Because they're just, like, so about themselves. and But then that becomes, like, obviously the funny part, which is part of, yeah. like, the reason of the show. But right now Tyler kind of watches it with me, and we'll just be outside, like, just, like, living our lives. And we'll be just be like, ew, David. <laughs> yeah. But... Also, update, got my second shot on Thursday after work. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? Totally fine. Like, Friday, like, I went to work Friday, was in court, my arm was sore, like, I couldn't pick it up, like, if you were doing the chicken dance, you know? Yeah. I couldn't do that, and then I got a little tired after work that day, but, yeah. See, that's interesting, because, like, a lot of people are having that kind of reaction, just, like... You can't really move your arm and you're a little tired. Mine was, I could move my arm totally fine. Mm-hmm. It just hurt right where the shot went in. And then the next day, I was just so tired. Yeah. But I was just so worried because I hear a lot of people, like, the second one fucks them. So I was, like, yeah. prepping, like, I normally, like, do guilty pleas Friday mornings. And but I asked one of the other attorneys. I was like, yo, can you, like, do this for me just in case I'm down for the count? <laughs> right right 
but didn't you have an update on your case last week um yes let me go back (laughs) to our messages to find that said update (laughs) well while you're finding that oh my god so i joined the fish club at work like the fishing club (laughs) i was like what the fuck is a fish club so we all just like go fishing and i guess it's a um like a little tournament to see who can fish who can catch the most and who can catch like the biggest i don't know, really know how they like score things mm-hmm. so me and my brother went to go get our license at mm-hmm. dicks and i got mine fine but we stood there for an hour for my brother because they were having issues trying to pull his information up and get him a license and i was like and today's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everyone out there. Oh, yes. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. So we're recording this yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And so I just got a text from my dad, like, where are you guys? It's Mother's Day. And, like, they knew that I was coming back to record real quick. Mm-hmm. But we did not expect. It took me, like, all of, like, five minutes, if that, to register and, like, get all my information in. And they just couldn't get my brothers. I was like, this is fine. <laughs> this is all fine. Did you have to do it today? Like, Well, we have a little fish outing Tuesday. Like, okay. Gotcha. Here. It's like a fish luncheon kind of mm-hmm. thing that we're doing. Um, I feel like this excuse- is... Go ahead. I was just going to say probably like an excuse to not really work, but... <laughs> True. But no, I was going to say... <laughs> this sounds like an insult but it's not <laughs> I was gonna say that sounds like a real like Shit's Creek thing like I'm in the fish club you know honestly to me it almost sounds more <laughs> like the office I never got into the office <laughs> I you never it. watched the office I've tried numerous times I cannot I cannot get through it and I Is know it people just like- say you got to get past the first season, but I can't. Like, Just I cannot push pick through. pick up at season two. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll add it to the list. I have a big list of shows, and I'm I so know. far behind. Me too. <sighs> but, oh my god, The Office is a classic. You got to watch it. Like, they, I don't think they could have gotten away with what they filmed today. That's I feel like people would have more of an issue here. with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh my god, it's so funny. <laughs> okay. I'll put that at the end of my list and I will give it a chance. Okay. So, but oh yeah, found the update. Um, so this is about Robert and Paula Sims and Heather and Lorelai Sims from last week. Um, the governor wanted to give her parole and her attorney wanted to see her released by 2022, which is obviously next year. And fuck that. She also, killed her fucking child. Children, no. remember? Two. Um, Two, Robert yeah. divorced her after she was convicted. And the son, Randy, and him were killed in a car accident in 2015. Which is so sad. Yeah, very sad. I think they were, like, on the highway or something, and it the car, like, went off. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Just a little little tidbit. That's so sad. Yeah. Oh, should I talk about it now or after? Now. What the heck? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I bought a cricket, and 
it's getting here today. It told me it was all gonna be here May 19th, but I got like the email that it's getting here today, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. Those are so cool. Yeah, there was this huge sale, and I was like, mm, I'm just gonna buy it, and then I can just do all the wedding stuff because that's I'm gonna make the invitations and everything. So yeah, super excited. I cannot wait. I'm just so pumped. And I bought the um the foil. It's not a blade, but like if you want to do like foil on things. Oh. <laughs> like I'm doing rose gold foil. Yeah. And so this blade thing you put in the cricket and it puts the foil on. It's super great description. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, so they're that gonna look so cool. I'm so excited. Thanks. I hope. Um it that came yesterday, so I'm like <gasps> And now the cricket's going to get here today. Oh, I'm just so excited. <laughs> so excited. Big things headed your way. <laughs> Big things headed your way that happened already. Oh. Uh, you don't have to say it. No, I will. <laughs> I mean, I already, like, talked about it. Yeah, so I got my braces yesterday. Well, I got my top braces. I'm getting my bottoms in a month. <laughs> <laughs> and already yesterday, so we went to State College to go pick up my brother mm-hmm. and his friends. We were out talking. What the and fuck? Did my they brother. Say? What? Well, no, no, no. Not okay. anything bad. But um, we were talking, and then my brother mentioned something about my braces. I was like, I'm in so much pain. Like, yeah, I got them this morning and um, kind of carried on the conversation and then it came back to I was wearing a Shippensburg hoodie Mm -hmm. and the one kid was like yeah let's all go to Shippensburg and I was like why would you guys go to Shippensburg and they were like aren't you you're wearing the hoodie I was like I graduated and they were like what and I was like yeah I'm 24 and they were like we thought you were younger than John and I was like I've had the braces for what 10 hours and I've already got someone thinking I'm under the age of 20 Oh my god, I love it so much. That's hilarious. So I'm the only person in the world right now that wants the masks to like be a thing for a year and a half from now. (laughs) I know. Too bad you didn't get them like last year. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I was fine getting them on and everything, and then I got in my car and I just broke down. (laughs) Like I was it wasn't even that I was like upset. I mean, Mm -hmm. from the get-go, I didn't want to get braces again because I had them five years prior. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just trying not to regret Mm -hmm. getting them again just because, like, now, like I said to you off of here, I was like, it just, like, like, accentuates all of the insecurities I've had with my smile, like, that much more. And I'm like, Megan, you got to think of the end result. Like, you got to think... And I just really got to get used to them again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Eating that first meal really mm. sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot how annoying braces were. But yeah, so that's an update. I'm back to looking, I guess, 18. Yeah. It's okay. Is, I guess fine. But it's okay because I also look like I'm 12, so it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we both look like we're infants together. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't have braces anymore, so that's sad. Very I sad. don't think you look that young. I think. Not, so you're saying saying I look that, old? not saying that you look old. No, 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 no. Wow. Wow. You look like your age. I thought you were going to say, I, when you said that, I heard you look like you're eight. And I was like, wow, Megan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
so old. That's what you're saying. I look old because I'm going to be 26. Yes, I know. In a month. In a fucking month. But you, I'm going to be 26. Honestly, you look like my age, 24. <sighs> I'm not ready. Not Have ready. you had your quarter, or your, yeah, quarter life crisis? Um, I had that when I was 18. So <laughs> I'm, um, we all early for my age, you know? Yeah. Super like advanced. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> All right. Anyway, since it's Mother's Day and we are trying to get um, to moms, so let's start. Okay, so my case is, I guess I watched a documentary, go figure, Um, (laughs) it was season one, episode two of Your Worst Nightmare, and the title of it was When the Lights Go Out, and then I also got a majority of my stuff from Wikipedia. Why are you giving me that look? Because this is exactly what the episode that you recorded in your friend's house when the lights went out. Perfect. I, no, but I'll, I'll say later, I'm so glad I didn't see this while I was house sitting. I'm glad you didn't either because you would have told me and I would have been even more freaked out. Okay. <laughs> you would have been like, Megan, you're doing this on purpose. I know. Okay. <laughs> you're going to like give me PTSD listening to this. Right going to sue you for <laughs> negligent or intentional infliction of distress. Oh. True. But anyway, go ahead. I'm true, buckled true. up. I'm ready for this ride. All right. So we are on the night of September 22nd, 2006 in Pocatello, Idaho. Okay. All Never right. heard of it. <laughs> Cassie Stodart. I think that's how you say her last name. Stodart. Stodart. Okay. Um, she was 16 years old. She was a model student. I hate when it's young kids. I know. She was a model student, and she was very motivated and driven. She loved helping people just overall and was a very nice girl. Um, She was house-sitting for her aunt and uncle on Whispering Cliffs Drive in northeast Bannock County. So the Contreras, Contreras... This is her aunt and uncle. The Contreras family were out of town and asked Cassie to take care of their three cats and two dogs for the weekend. This was one of her first times house-sitting alone, even though she was only 15 minutes away from her home. Um, This was exciting to her because she was making money from it, and she had a goal to buy herself a car, so doing this was helping her get to that goal. Slowly but surely, because we all know that process. (laughs) So... That evening, um, her boyfriend, Matt Beckman, came to hang out with her and keep her company at around 6 o'clock. Everyone said that he was a respectful young man that treated Casey very well. So then later that night, classmates Brian Draper and Tori Adamick, Adam Kick, Adam, Adamick, we're just going to, Adamick, I think that's wrong, but we're going to go with it. Okay. Who were both 16 at the time. They came over to the house to hang out, even though they thought that there was going to be a party. Mm -hmm. But, um, wait, I might know this. I think you, I think you do. It's pretty well known. Okay. (laughs) So originally Casey was upset that they came over, um, because her aunt only gave her boyfriend the permission to come over to keep her company. Okay. Um, not these other friends. Eventually, Matt got her to calm down and to relax and 
just to like hang out. I mean, all they were going to do was watch a movie. Even though the boys were like, where's the party at? Where's the liquor at? And she's like, uh, no. So Casey uh, gave her friends a little tour of the house and the four teens went to the living room to watch the film Kill Bill Volume 2. So they were all, well, at least the two boys, Tori and Brian, they were like major horror film movie lovers. And um, I guess they all pretty much were, but from the documentary, Cassie later on was like, can we not watch something so scary? But I mean, if they were all watching it, I'm sure like it wasn't really, I, I didn't see anything that it was like a pose, but scary movie in a house all alone. That would be something I would do. That's something I do mm-hmm. do by myself. Sometimes. Why? I don't know. <laughs> oh my God, I really should crazy. stop. It's probably like adding on to my already building anxiety. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, well, you start watching and it's light out and then it's like dark and then you're like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> Tori and Brian ended up leaving before the film ended, saying that they wanted to go watch a movie at their local theater instead because they were like, we thought there was going to be a party. We're just sitting here watching a movie. If we wanted to watch a movie, like, let's go to the theater. Mm hmm. Um, but Cassie was like, I'm house sitting. I can't leave. And her boyfriend was like, I'm just going to stay with her. So they left. (laughs) (laughs) Now we kind of fast forward to two days later, her aunt and cousin get home. I didn't see anything about an uncle. He could have been there. I didn't see anything, but I also really didn't research too in depth. (laughs) No, totally fine. But vital to the story. Cassie's (laughs) cousin was the first to walk into the house. She walked in, put her stuff in the kitchen, and was, like, looking around for Casey. She was like, hey, we're home. Where are you? Where are you? And she walks into the living room and finds Cassie on the floor, dead. So, I know. So, detectives start off questioning her boyfriend, who recounted everything he said. He was like, Hey, we were hanging out. These two guys came over, gave them the names of both boys and said they left about a half hour later and we continued to watch a movie. And what happened that he thought was weird was the power went out, but the power only went out in their house. Like looking onto the street, the streetlights were on. So Matt thought like, oh, it's just an old house. These things tend to happen. Like, he was going to go check down on the breaker and as soon as he went to go down to the basement stairs the lights came back on and he was like oh well okay and then walked back up and hung out cassie was like super freaked out but i'll get into that in a little later so but but like you i bet she was like oh it's nothing Jaden. it's fine It's just the iPod. Like, I guess I'll share my location with you. I guess it's nothing. You know. (laughs) But that's what happened. Anyway, continue. Well. (laughs) (laughs) So. The detectives went to both Tori and Brian and questioned them. And they were both like, yeah, we went to go see this movie. And um, they went to go see Slayer 4. But they couldn't give the detectives concrete details on the movie or who the actors were. 
dumbasses being, being that they're like self-proclaimed movie addicts like that's mm-hmm. odd yep so the detective went to said movie theater and asked the employee there working if she saw if she knew these guys mm-hmm. and she was like oh that's tori and brian like we go to high school together and he was like oh c- c- cool like were you working on friday and she was like yeah i was taking tickets and he was like okay so did these two come in to go see slayer four and she was like i didn't see them at all on friday like and i would have remembered because i know them yeah so that was a big like oh yeah so then detectives ask all three guys to come in to take polygraphs okay so um this is on september 27th brian started crying right before he took his polygraph so he was like what's up do you need to tell me something he broke down and told detectives what actually happened Mm -hmm. just quick note even if i didn't do anything I would cry and fail a polygraph. Like I see a I be police so officer out. behind me. Yeah, like, huh? What am yep. I doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> am I, I doing fail. anything wrong? They'd there be was like, one time I got pulled over. I tried so hard not to be that bitch to just uh-huh. like break down, but I did, and it was embarrassing. But anyway, <laughs> I have not been pulled over. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Um, but I probably would. Yep. Yep. I see. Okay. Hold on. Slight pause. So when I got pulled over, I ran a stop sign, Mm -hmm. but there was a shrub in front of the stop sign and I was in an area I didn't really know. Mm -hmm. And there just so happened with my luck, a state trooper sitting right at the light, like getting ready to go. So I didn't think I did anything wrong until he turned on his lights and pulled me over. And I was like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) It was so bad i was i got pulled over i was like fuck and then as soon as he came up to the window the waterworks started i couldn't help it i know that's a bitch move of me but i couldn't help it i was like 16 (laughs) that's the only time i've been pulled over did he let you go he did he left me off with a warning because i was like i'm sorry i don't know where i am my car literally just broke down back there because it did the whole bottom muffler (laughs) fell out of the car and I pulled over and these people that lived across the street heard it, came out and was like, oh, we can fix that. Put like a metal like um, closet hook thing, like a <laughs> hanger, a metal <laughs> hanger and tie it to the bottom of my car. And they were like, you're good to get home, but you need to get that fixed. And I was like, I will. Please, this is my grandma's old little go-kart of a car. It was like a Chevy Prism, a 1994 Chevy Prism. I feel like we just skimmed over the fact that you said. <laughs> what did I say? Hanger hook. <laughs> so I couldn't think of the word. I know, but it's so funny. I'm still laughing. <laughs> oh my god. Whatever. Hanger hook thing. Okay, continue. <laughs> all right well to reel it back to the case that you guys are all here to listen for <laughs> okay so we were at that he was brian crying broke down brian yeah. broke down and told them what happened mm-hmm. so going back to that night cassie was unaware that while she was giving that tour um before the boys left brian unlocked the basement door um, so he and Tori could re-enter the house undetected. 
Sometime after leaving the house on Whispering Cliffs, Brian and Tori returned to the neighborhood parking down the street, got out of the car and put on their costumes, which is just like dark clothing, gloves, and those emotionless like white masks. No. Which is like the scariest thing ever. Like the ones from like The Strangers? Or like The Purge, yeah. Oh no, those masks fucked me up. Nope. No go. There's just something terrifying about them. They quietly entered the house through the basement door while the couple was still watching the, um, at this point they switched to a TV show because Cassie was freaked out from the Mm -hmm. power outage. And, um, they intentionally made some loud noises in attempt to lure Matt and Cassie downstairs so they could quote unquote scare them. Um, next they found the circuit breaker and turned off the power in the house, hoping that the pair would come downstairs and check the breaker. When Matt and Cassie didn't come downstairs, they turned the lights back on. Hmm. So, like, right before Matt went downstairs, because they didn't know where the breaker was. Yeah. So, originally, they were going to kill both of them? That's what it seems like from what hmm. I... So, see. literally, he his life got saved because... He- the light like they turn the lights back on exactly so cassie got real freaked out after the temporary power outage like i said and matt noticed that one of the dogs kept staring down the basement stairs periodically barking and growling fuck no seeing that cassie was scared he called his mother to ask if he could stay the night with her in the house Mm -hmm. because she was scared um but the mom like any mom with a 16 year old boy hanging out with his girlfriend was like uh no i'm not falling for that yeah instead she offered to let cassie come home with matt and stay at their house that night and Mm -hmm. she would just bring cassie back to the house the next morning however cassie felt that it was her responsibility to stay at the house she was getting paid to do so and care for the animals, so she declined matt's mom's offer Mm -hmm. At approximately 10.30 p.m., Matt's mom came to pick him up, leaving Cassie at the house alone. Matt ended up calling Tori's cell phone to see where he and Brian were, possibly to meet up with them later. But Matt said that he could barely hear Tori, who was whispering on the phone. So Matt assumed that they were in the movie theater, which, like, I would too. Mm -hmm. From the basement, Brian and Tori heard Matt leave. So the teens turned the lights out again from the circuit breaker in the basement and waited, hoping Cassie would come downstairs to turn the lights back on. But she didn't. And she was just, like, huddled up on the couch. Like, I would be so freaked out. So freaked out. I wouldn't I wouldn't go to investigate. That's how all the dumb people die in horror movies. Yep. So I'm just, like, I'm just going to sit here. The lights came on last time, so I'm just going to wait for them to turn back on. Yeah. Um. Eventually, the boys went upstairs. Brian was armed with a dagger-type weapon, and Tori had a hunting-style knife. Brian opened and slammed the closet door at the top of the stairs to scare Cassie, who was lying on the couch in the living room. The boys then brutally attacked her, stabbing her approximately 30 times. Twelve of those wounds were potentially fatal. Like, the murder weapons were purchased at a pawn shop, with the help of an 18-year-old friend named Joe Lucero. From what I saw. 
Throughout the investigation of the murder, police found that Brian and Tori had recorded their plan to murder Cassie in advance on a videotape while they were at school. This video footage was shown at their trials. And it wasn't even just the pre-planning of it. They videotaped on their way to murder Casey. And then the video continues after. So they didn't film the actual murder of her. And on the way there, in one of the videotapes, he's like, I'm so horny right now. I was like, you are a fucking psychopath. Seriously. This poor girl. Who did nothing to you. Nothing. Invited you over. Well, she really didn't, but they stayed and she eventually was like, okay with it because she figured nothing was going to happen. So don't trust people. (laughs) No, I already don't. Yep. (laughs) So Brian and Tori were arrested on September 27th, 2006 and charged with first degree murder and conspiracy to commit first degree murder. During the interrogations, each team blamed each other. Brian claimed that he was in the same room with Tori when Cassie was killed, but denied stabbing her. He later admitted stabbing her allegedly under the commands of Tori. Um, He led the investigators to Black Rock Canyon, where the youths had disposed of the clothing, the masks, and the knives they used for the murder. Mm -hmm. And that is also where they found the, um, at least from the documentary, that's where they found the video, like the camera. Yeah. And then played the tape. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so when they played the recording, you seem pretty jazzed up to go murder this person. Yeah, seems like you were being forced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially after, it's like, you're not even the least bit bothered that you just took someone's life. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. At the trial, the prosecution revealed that Brian had said he was inspired by Eric Harris and Dylan Kelbold. Who Klebold. Klebold, Klebold. who committed the Columbine High School massacre. Yep. Later, Tori said to have been inspired by the Scream horror film franchise. Mm-hmm. On April 17, 2007, Brian was found guilty. Uh, Tori's trial started May 31, 2007. He was convicted on June 8, 2007. <gasps> That's the day after my birthday. That's my brother's birthday. <laughs> What? Yeah. <laughs> I How did we not know this? I don't know. I, it never came up, I don't think. <laughs> anyway. But so on August 21st, 2007, based on being convicted of first degree murder, each received a mandatory sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole and 30 years to life for being convicted of conspiracy to commit murder. Tori and Brian are both serving their time at Idaho State Correctional Institution. It is located in unincorporated Ada County. Ada? Ada County? Idaho? Sounds good. Near Kuna. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> in November 2019, Tory's sentence was upheld after his appeal was denied by the Idaho Supreme Court. Okay. So their attorneys filed separate appeals at the state Supreme Court in September of 2010 for Tory and in April 2011 for Brian. For Brian what? Was, Brian was seeking to have his conviction vacated or to be given a limited life sentence that would allow 
for his release on parole if approved after 30 years. The first appeal for both Tory and Brian was denied in a 3-2 decision. The high court vacated Brian's conviction of on conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, saying the jurors were given erroneous instructions on that charge. Like jury instructions, probably? Maybe. But they affirmed his conviction on first-degree and the life sentence without parole. In July 2015, Tory gained a hearing for post-conviction relief with State 6th District Magistrate Judge Mitchell W. Brown. He claimed that testimony from character witnesses would have changed the outcome of the sentencing, but that his former attorney, against um, Tory's par- parents' wishes, chose not to call upon these witnesses. Which, like, what? Which witnesses do you have? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, y- they sound like super great kids and everything. So I'm sure there's a lot of them, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So Tory said that his attorney believed that the prosecution would have submitted more damaging evidence. Um, in March 2016, Judge Brown denied his request for post-conviction relief. Tory appealed the Judge Brown's decision to the Idaho Supreme Court. A hearing was held November 9th of 2017, and on December 26, 2017, the Idaho Supreme Court rejected Tory's appeal for post-conviction relief, upholding the district court's decision. So, following the Supreme Court's decision, Tory filed a federal uh, right of habeas. Habeas. Right okay. of, yeah, writ of habeas. Oh, corp- corpus. Oh, my God. These big words. <laughs> <laughs> so, in January 2018, in which he argued that the Idaho Supreme Court denied his first appeal based on the theory that was not present to the jury. Tory also argues that he should be entitled to a new sentence sentencing hearing in light of the Miller and Montgomery decisions, which is like that he was too young to be sentenced that harshly. So for those who don't know. <laughs> so federal magistrate judge Candy W. Dale presided over Tory's writ and on November 25th, 2019, she denied the writ. <laughs> um, Tori is currently appealing Judge Dale's decision to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Hmm. In 2010, the Stodart family, which is uh, Cassie's family, filed a civil lawsuit against the Idaho School District. They claim that the school was negligent and should have known that Brian and Tori posed a threat to others. Both the civil court and the state Supreme Court dismissed the case saying the actions of the killers were was not foreseeable, which f- looking into the information, it didn't seem like mm-hmm. there was really any warning to it. They were just two horror movie buffs. And then yeah. you're going to get into the whole, well, maybe they shouldn't be watching such horror films and like that whole like um, video games, make video games, whole thing which i mean to be i love horror films but it's not like i'm a addict like any movie that i need to watch has to be a horror film so i don't know if they were like that 
but I know at what 16 I mean I still was into horror movies like I went to go see Insidious when it came out so I don't believe in that theory Mm -hmm. but I mean if your kid or a friend shows like abnormal interest in those things and like extreme like obsession with horror films and idolizing like serial killers yeah maybe not good news but yeah yeah so that is the case of cassie joe stodart which is so it it didn't need to happen i think that's why it's so devastating because it's like it was so unneeded like it was so unnecessary that she died like there was no reason no and Cherry on top, when I was watching this episode, I was mm-hmm. home alone. My roommate got foot surgery. She was at her parents. And the week prior, she wasn't here. Like, she was just resting at home, which is fine with me. And, of course, it was, like, 1030 at night when I was watching this. And as soon as this episode ended, I started watching another one. And I hear the front door open. And I was, like, I sat up real straight. And I was, like, Kayla? Was that you? And no response. And I was like, I'm going to die. This Mm -hmm. is my time. And then I hear the door up here open because we're on the second floor. And I was like, Kayla. And I didn't hear anything for a second. And all I hear is, oh, I guess you didn't get my text. I was like, (laughs) you fucking asshole. (laughs) If only you knew what I was just watching before. Seriously. I was so mad. And I was up for a good, like, two more hours because my heart was just like, <gasps> yes, but rightfully so. But also, when I said it wasn't necessary, no murders are necessary. I'm just saying, like, if I were ever to be murdered, which I hope that, that doesn't happen, but <laughs> I would want it to be someone, like, because I was so mean or something, you know, like. Which would never happen. So, like. But uh, yeah, that, that's just what I meant. Like I like no, yeah. Random if I things. get murdered, I want it to be for a reason, not just totally random. Because yeah. that's not fucking fair. I mean, <laughs> it's never fair. But I mean, no, personally, yeah. <laughs> we're just like digging our hole and getting deeper. Yeah, we are. We're like people are gonna judge us. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've made it to um episode fourteen of a murder podcast, well, you're probably in that hole right with us. Oh, yeah, that's funny because you know murderers dig a hole with the body. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny wow wow thanks feeling that love you're okay. so funny so, oh yeah. i guess that would make sense mm-hmm. yeah i don't know about the pickles though i want to choose puffs but yeah but potato chips yeah because tyler and i went to see his mom yesterday for mother's day and so we were at the mall at robinson and um the one chocolate store, which I don't know what it's called. <laughs> but yeah, so I got like a, I think it's like a pound of them. But I'm Ooh. fucking pumped. Because lots of places, like, you can't find them everywhere. No. Or some places put too much chocolate, and it's like, what's the point of me eating this? I'm not eating a potato chip anymore. Next time you come home, bring me some, because I want to try it. Okay. I got you. <laughs> but, okay. Alrighty. So, mine is about... The dating game killer. So before I start mine, I just want to mention my one of my favorite things in the world is chocolate covered potato chips. What? Have you ever had them? No. Oh my god. 
girl. Dude, they have chocolate covered um pickles, and I love pickles, and I don't know how I would feel about mm, I don't know about that. I also saw chocolate covered cheese puffs, and I don't know how I like cheese curls, and I don't know how I feel about that. Now, chocolate covered bacon is real good. Mm, yeah, I, I don't know if I've had it, but I mean, like, I it's like good. You get like the syrup. sweet and the salty. Yeah, that's what the potato chips are too. Um, do you know this one? Maybe. Okay. Like but I said, I'm not good with names, titles. <laughs> yeah. No, I only knew that this was that this dude was a killer. I didn't really know what he did or anything. But okay. Also, I did know yours because I watched it on like, is it on like Unsolved Crimes or something? Mystery. I think so. I just happened to see it on. Yeah. Um, that was the... a good one, though. I really it, like that. It's it's a good one, but it also like it stresses me out because like they're all in high school. Yeah. And it's like. You feel like you can trust people that you grew up with more because you know them. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, fuck, you really can't trust anyone. No. Fuck everyone. Yeah. And don't trust people. Only trust your gut. That's why I always say it. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, this is the dating game killer. ABC News article. I'm not going to tell you the article because I don't. It'll give it away. Yeah, I don't want to. Okay. I mean, not give it away, but Yeah. I'll tell it at the end. <laughs> to Stay tuned credit. if you want to double check our sources. <laughs> All right. So, Rodney James Alcala, which sucks because it's his name, so I say it a fuck ton, but Alcala. 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 <laughs> I had to. Okay. Apparently, this is a, a very punny um, thing. Okay. Yes. Anyway. The episode of puns. Yeah. Rodney James Alcala was born August 23rd, 1943. His mother moved them and his two sisters to L.A. In 1961, when he was 17, he joined the army and served as a clerk. I don't know what that means. A clerk. Like a front desk person. (laughs) Just kidding. Couldn't ask me because I don't know. (laughs) So he went AWOL multiple times. One notable time was in June 1963, he took a routine weekend pass to Nashville, Tennessee, and according to an Army report, after stealing a car and robbing another driver of their credit card, he fled to New York City. You know, that's what everyone does. Alcala's mother and sister advised him to turn himself in. While at the house, apparently he exposed himself to his younger sister who, quote, became hysterical, which, um, fucking obviously. Uh, who yeah. Um, so, yeah. Alcala stated that he did not know if he wanted to have sexual sexual relations with her. Wow. Your sister? Yeah. Your fucking sister? Mm-hmm. Freak. But. Where did you say they were from? California. I thought you were gonna say West Virginia, and I was like, oh. <laughs> No, much love to West Virginia. You know the stereotype. <laughs> that, was that was good. <laughs> ew. Um, yeah, ew. He was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder by a military psychiatrist and only pled guilty and paid a fine mm-hmm. for, you know, doing that to that woman. I mean, I guess he just hit her over the head. Yeah. So. Anyway, his so his rank was reduced, but he was honorably discharged 
without a blemish on his record. So, you know, we love that. Love that. Violence, we love it. And there's no record of it. Okay. I hate, like, I, uh, I appreciate everyone who takes their time, their lives to serve for our country. Mm-hmm. But I cannot stand how sketchy they all are. Like, not the people, but, like, the whole mm-hmm. military system. It's so sketchy. Like, any type of crime that happens within, and I'm mm-hmm. sure I'll cover, like, I, there's one in particular I'm thinking of that they, like, gave the family, like, edited versions of, like, security footage. And it's, like, this is obviously edited. Like, we yeah. want the original and just all the issues that go on and kind of them just being like oh it was a suicide when everything points to it not being a suicide like yeah it's all i can think sketchy. of all i can think of is that woman who just like no went missing and they were like oh it's fine and then she was found murdered and they were still like mm, but was she yeah they were like oh it was a um suicide i think we're thinking of the same one they said it was a suicide but it was like this big gun that she would have had to use her toe to pull the trigger kind of thing like it just it doesn't make sense anyway that was my little side rant yeah topics for another day maybe we'll cover that sometime maybe (laughs) all right later other psychiatric experts at his trial spoiler spoiler alert he gets tried um offered other diagnoses diagnoses that sounds right diagnoses Diagnoses. okay offered other diagnoses such as narcissistic personality disorder borderline personality disorder and malignant narcissism with psychopathy and sexual sadism comorbidities comorbidities (laughs) (laughs) that we'll go with it After leaving the Army in 1968, he graduated from the UCLA School of Fine Arts. Not wasting any time, though. His first known crime was committed in 1968. An eyewitness in L.A. called police after watching him lure an eight-year-old named Tally Shapiro into his Hollywood apartment. Into his Hollywood apartment. So, yeah, the witness thought it was suspicious that she was going with him. So, followed him and called the police. When police Thank arrived, God for her. Right? Holy shit. Right, listen. Listen. Oh, God. I'm not when, ready. I'm not ready. The officer said when he saw Tolly in the apartment, like, because he was the, the only one up on the scene. So, when he saw her, she was nude, covered in blood, with a metal bar pressed against her neck. <gasps> He thought she was dead because she wasn't breathing. She had been raped and beaten with that metal bar. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he gets to the house. Yeah. He gets to the house and Akala answers it. And he's like, oh, I was in the shower. Give me. Let me put pants on. And the officer's like, you have three seconds. So he's like, okay. And then so I think the officer had to, like, knock the door down and Akala's, like, standing there. I think he was naked. Not wet. No towel. Like, he claimed he was in the shower. And then Tala's there. So he's, like, obviously rushes over to Tala. Mm. Tally. Tally. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Tally. 
And Akala fled out the back door. But so he had, he was like, am I going to case him or am I going to stay with her and give her this immediate, like life-saving medical attention that she needs? So he stayed with her. She survived, thankfully, but was in a coma for 32 days (gasps) and was able to get back on her feet after months in the hospital. No, her little fighter. Right. I don't know if they meant literally she couldn't walk for months. Like she, she literally got back on her feet. Or literally, she went about living her life after a few months. I don't know. But. So, yeah. Right? Poor fucking girl. Eight years I'm old. speechless. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't worry. It doesn't stop there. Okay. So, he fled and left the state. He enrolled in the NYU film school under the name John Berger. Since his student ID was found in the apartment with Tolly. So, so, you know, he's a little smart. But in 1971, he got a counseling job at New Hampshire Arts Camp for children using a slightly different alias, John Berger. So the first one was B-E-R-G-E-R. This one was B-U-R-G-E-R, you know, just to mix it up. The FBI added Akala to its list of 10 most wanted fugitives in early 1971. And a few months later, like after he started this counseling job, two of the children attending the art camp noticed his photo on the FBI poster at the post office. So they called the police. Yes! (laughs) Right? So Akala was arrested and extradited to California. But sadly, by then... Tolly's parents had relocated their entire family to Mexico and refused to allow her to testify at his trial. I mean, I get it, but no. Yeah, so unable to convict him of rape and attempted murder without their primary witness, prosecutors were forced to allow Ocala to plead guilty to a lesser charge of child molestation. So on the article, it said he pled to child molestation, but on Wikipedia, it said he pled to assault. So, either way, it's less than rape and attempted murder. Yeah. Akala was paroled after 17 months, but on the other <sighs> site, it said he was paroled after 34 months. So Still. Still, yeah. That's because like in 1974, apparently there was this intermediate sentencing program that was popular at the time which allowed parole boards to release offenders as soon as they demonstrated evidence of rehabilitation you know love that he basically almost killed this fucking child let's just let him out it's fine it's fine it's fine no big deal i'm so irritated so glad they did that because less than two months after his release he was rearrested for assaulting for assaulting a 13-year-old girl identified in court records as Julie J. Yeah. So she thought she was getting a ride to school. Rehabilitated, huh? Yeah, right. And drum roll, please. Once again, he was paroled after serving two years of an indeterminate sentence. In 1977, after Akala's second release, his L.A. parole officer took the unusual step of permitting a repeat offender and known flight risk to travel to New York City. Love that. Love that. I'm so mad. Yeah. In 1978, 
Akala worked for a short time at the LA Times as a typesetter. He was interviewed by members of the Hillside Strangler Task Force as part of their investigation of known sex offenders when they were trying to catch the Hillside Strangler. So, love him for that. Oh my god. Love that for him. (laughs) All right, so you were right. He apparently did have to register as a sex offender. Okay. Which is great. Love that. Like, that was not sarcasm. But probably, I don't think at that time you had, like, they had to notify people around that they were a sex offender. Because I think that's pretty recent. Okay. That people have had to do that. But still, it's just like, I mean, back then, that probably didn't affect anything. Yeah. Seriously. So, although he was ruled out as the Hillside Strangler, he was arrested and served a brief sentence for marijuana possession. (laughs) Go figure. I bet he served longer for that than he did for any of those other things. How much you want to bet? I wouldn't be surprised. Right? Um, During this time, Akala convinced hundreds, hundreds of young men and women that he was a professional fashion photographer and photographed them for his portfolio. One of his co-workers at the Times later remembered that Akala shared his photos with co-workers and she thought it was really weird. And when she asked why he took the photos, he was like, oh, their mom, their moms asked me to. But she remembers that a lot of them were naked. Yeah. My mom asked for that all the time, you know. Yeah, same. Happy Mother's Day. I want it as a present. <laughs> my oh. senior pictures. Yes. Oh, my God. So, yeah, most of the photos were sexually explicit. And most remain unidentified. Like the were they, were they like noticeably like kids, like super young kind of thing, or just like people? I feel like it was all ages, kind of. It wasn't like a super young people. I know so far everyone's been like under sixteen, but oh my god! Yes. But yeah, no, it was like all ages. Okay, um, and so because a lot of them have remained unidentified. Police fear that some of the subjects in them may be additional cold case victims. Um, in 19, sorry, my nose ring is freaking twisting and it's like itching my nose so bad. And every time I oh. itch it, it gets twisted back up into my nose. So I have to like do this again. No, you're good. Okay. In 1979, according to later trial testimony, Alcala knocked unconscious and raped a 15 year old, Monique while she was posing for photographs so round of applause for this stand-up guy yeah truly a keeper in 1978 akala was a contestant on the popular game show the dating game host jim jim lange introduced him as a quote successful photographer who got his start when his father found him in the dark room at the age of 13 Fully oh developed. my god. Wow. Between takes, you might find him skydiving or motorcycling. Yeah. Right? And for She's those broke. that don't know, the dating game is a TV show where one contestant asked questions to three potential dates who were hidden from view and used their answers to choose one at the end. Okay. And then that person won a date with the contestant. Background checks were not done 
when Alcala auditioned, so producers didn't know about his violent history. <laughs> yeah, That's good. Right? Love that. Love thoroughness. Love that. But so a fellow, one of the bachelors, um, later described Alcala as a very strange guy with bizarre opinions. But that dude could have just, might have just been bitter because Alcala ended up winning the competition. Are you and, serious? And, yep. And a date with the bachelorette Cheryl Bradshaw, not to be confused with Carrie Bradshaw, the fictional character. Um, yeah. But the next day, she reconsidered her decision to go on a date with him. And, like, because he was creepy. She was like, I get these weird vibes. Is it okay if I decline? And, like, one of the producers was like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but thank God she did. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Criminal she probably prof- just saved her life. Yeah. Criminal profiler Pat Brown noted that Akala killed at least three women after his dating game appearance and speculated that this rejection might have been an exuberating factor. But, obviously, we're not blaming the girl. No, no, no. Um, Yeah. Not her actions. Yeah. Thank fucking God she probably saved her life. Yeah. On June 20th, 1979, Robin Samso, a 12-year-old girl from Huntington Beach, disappeared somewhere between the beach and her ballet class. Her body was found 12 days later in the L.A. foothills. Samso's friends told police that a stranger had approached them that day on the beach asking to take their pictures. Detectives circulated a sketch of the photographer and Akala's parole officer recognized him. So Akala was arrested July 24th, 1979 at his mother's house in Monterey Park, California and held without bail. During a search of Akala's mother's house, police found a rental receipt for a storage locker in Seattle. In the locker, they found Samso's earrings. They also found thousands of pictures of people, many nude in an, and in explicit positions, and a variety of pieces of jewelry, which investigators believe Alcala took as trophies from his victims. Oh in my 19. God. Yeah. In 1980, he was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death for Samso's murder and sent to San Quentin's death row. Thank God, right? Yeah. But Akala appealed, and four years later, the verdict was overturned by the Supreme Court because jurors had been improperly informed of his prior sex crimes. And I'm assuming that means that prior bad acts can't be used to convict someone of something. I mean, there are a few exceptions, but it's because we don't want people to be like, they committed this crime. So, which means the one that they're on trial for, they committed. We don't want people to be like, oh, you were a criminal in the past, so you committed this. Yeah. Um, in, eight, in 1986, after a second trial, virtually identical to the first, except for the omission of the prior criminal record testimony, he was again convicted and sentenced to death. Good. In 2001, he appealed again and got his death penalty overturned. Because Are you was- fucking kidding me? Yeah. Because it was determined that his attorney in the second trial had not put forth a strong enough offense. I'm assuming that means ineffective assistance of counsel. So, third time's the charm, right? While preparing their third trial in 2003... 
DNA technology obviously has gotten better at that point. So Orange County investigators had the jewelry that they found in the storage locker re-examined. And they found out that Alcala's DNA matched semen that was left at the rape murder scenes of two women in L.A. And also led to Alcala's indictment for the murders of four additional women. So, number one, Jill Barcombe was 18 years old and she was a New York native who was living in L.A. And she was found, quote, rolled up like a ball in an L.A. ravine in 1977. She was originally thought to have been a victim of the Hillside Strangler. But obviously, she was this huge victim. Yeah. Number two, Georgia Wixted, who was 27. She was a cardiac care nurse. And she was bludgeoned in her Malibu apartment in 1977. Charlotte Lamb was 31. And she was a legal secretary. And she was raped, strangled, and left in a laundry room of an El Segundo apartment complex that she had no connection to in 1978. And Jill Parento, who was 21, and a college student and data entry worker, and she was sexually assaulted and brutally murdered in her Burbank apartment in 1979. All of their bodies were found, quote, posed in carefully chosen positions, end quote. Probably meaning, like, he probably took pictures of them. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah. Another pair of earrings that were found in the storage locker had residue that matched Lamb's, one of the girl's DNAs. During his incarceration between the second and third trials, Akala wrote and self-published a book, You, the Jury, in which he claimed innocence in the Samso case and suggested a different suspect. He also filed two lawsuits against the California penal system for a slip and fall incident and for refusing to provide him a low fat diet. Don't we just all feel so bad for this man? Like what a hard life he has lived. Burn in hell, bro. Right. But in 2003, prosecutors entered a motion to join the Samso charges with those of the four newly discovered victims. Akala's attorneys contested it as one of them explained, quote, if you're a juror and you hear one murder case, you may be able to have reasonable doubt. But it's very hard to say you have reasonable doubt on all five, especially when four of the five aren't alleged by an eyewitness, but are proven by DNA matches, end quote. Yeah. Well, that fucking sucks, but probably he did it because obviously the DNA fucking matches. DNA doesn't lie. In 2006, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the prosecution, and in February 2010, Akala stood trial on the five joined charges. He was 66 at the time. So, for the third trial, Akala elected to act as his own attorney, which is okay, a great, Ted Bundy. Right, which is a great thing. I mean, I tell all of my friends and family that if they're ever on trial for five murders, they should just represent themselves because. They obviously know more than an attorney who went through years of schooling, like, obviously, you know. Smartest thing to do. Right. Also, another smart move of his, he took the stand in his own defense. And for five hours, he played the role of both interrogator and witness. How? Asking himself questions and addressing himself as Mr. Akala in a deeper than normal voice. 
and then answering them, <laughs> which is totally not something a psychopath would do. <laughs> no, but I mean, he did have what was that disorder? Narcissism? No, wasn't it multi personality disorder? That could have been one I mentioned. There were because like he, well, there was a bunch that you did mention that he got <laughs> tested with back in like the military, which I mean. He could have thought, like, he was, I, I don't know. I don't know the state of mind of someone going through, like, an episode like that. But, like, you look psychotic. Yeah. I wish I was a juror on that case. Could you imagine how fucking, I mean, you'd have to listen to all that terrible shit about the murders. But I feel like so this is a joke. Yeah. Like, not saying that people with those disorders, like, that you're psychotic or anything. Mm-hmm. Not at all. But I'm talking in this case. Yeah. Like, if I was on the jury, and odds are the jury didn't know that he had, like, disorders and whatnot. Yeah. Me sitting there, I'd be like, you're psychotic. Yeah. But also, I know, I, I saw something in the one article that the military, like, originally, when they, like, let him go, they were like, he knows right from wrong. So, okay. and he was obviously deemed competent for trial, so. Yeah. Not too bad for him. No. But yeah, so, during this lovely self-questioning and answering session he told jurors often while rambling in a monotone voice that he was at Knott's Berry Farm applying for a job as a photographer at the time Samso was kidnapped. He also showed the jury a portion of his 1978 appearance on the dating game in an attempt to prove that the earrings that were found in his Seattle locker were his and not Samso's. But Jed Mills, who was one of the people compete against Alcala on the show, told a reporter that that earrings were not yet a socially acceptable thing for men to wear in 1978. So, quote, I had never seen a man with an earring in his ear. I would have noticed them on him. Yeah. Alcala made no significant attempt to dispute the four added charges other than to assert that he could not remember killing any of the women. Which, I mean, I too have a bad memory, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I forget, like, what I had for dinner last week. Yeah, right. But killing someone, I'm pretty sure you would remember. You would think, right? But who knows? Not him. It's a Memory is a hard thing. Um, Oh, also, as part of his closing argument, He played the Arlo Guthrie song, Alice's Restaurant, in which the protagonist tells a psychiatrist that he wants to kill. And as an attorney, I recommend that. That's a great move. (laughs) That's a wonderful move. Also, I'm kidding. That's not legal advice. No. (laughs) But if you did something like this, yeah, represent yourself. Play that song like you got it. Right? Now I want to, like, hear the song. We should, like, add a clip. So, after less than two days' deliberation, the jury convicted him on all five counts of first-degree murder. Praise God. Thank you so much. Yeah. For these poor victims. Okay. And a surprise witness during the penalty phase of the trial was Tali Shapiro, Alcala's oh. first known victim. Yeah, so she's probably, I think, like, obviously older, and I'm so glad that she had her day in court to say... Oh, yeah. ...to confront this fucker. 
Richard Rappaport, a psychiatrist paid by Alcala and the only defense witness. You know, if you're on trial for five murders, you might want more witnesses, but it's fine. Testified that borderline personality disorder could explain Alcala's claims that he had no memory of committing the murder. But the prosecutor argued that Alcala was a, quote, sexual predator who knew that what he was doing was wrong and didn't care. So in March 2020, Alcala was sentenced to death for a third and final time. Woo! <laughs> yes! <sighs> right? Oh my god, all that bullshit for, yes. like, the same result. The same. But... Now there's five instead of just the one. I mean, exactly. they probably would have just brought the four later, but it was nice to have all. I five. know, I know stories where they do focus on one, and if that follows through, then they um, sentence with the others following, sure. just as like in case because you can't retry someone for the same thing, right? So tr- kind of just to like not put all their eggs in one basket, but. It's so nice to have justice for those four other women. Yes. And I'm just, I'm also so happy that Tolly was able to be there too. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like literally just like a whole justice party. It's like full circle. Yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy that she showed up. I know. Because obviously, I mean, her parents were just trying to protect her, like, when yeah. she was younger. Yeah, I mean, she was fucking eight. Yeah, but now, like, she's older, and this was her decision, and she was like, I need this. But anyway, okay. I support it. We still got more to go. Oh, God. Um, so after the trial, the Huntington Beach Police Department and the NYPD released 120 of Alcala's photographs to get the public's help in identifying them. Because they wanted to see if any of the women and children he photographed were additional victims. Yeah. Approximately 900 additional photographs could not be made public, police said, because they were too sexually explicit. Oh, my God. In the first few weeks, police reported that approximately 21 women had come forward to identify themselves. And at least six families said they believed they recognized loved ones who disappeared years ago and were never found. As of September 2019, 109 of the original photos remain posted online, and police continue to ask for the public's help with further identifications. Oh my gosh. So, go check those pictures out, and if you have any information, contact police so we can help these other victims get justice. Exactly. Also, after his 2010 conviction, New York authorities announced that they would no longer pursue Alcala because of his status as a convicted as a convict awaiting execution. But nevertheless, in January 2011, a Manhattan grand jury indicted him for the murders of Cornelia Criley and Helen Hoover. Cornelia was 23 and was a flight attendant who was found raped and strangled with nylon stockings and bite marks on her breast in her Manhattan apartment in June of 1971. Which, obviously, if you remember back, yes. he was let to go to New York, and this happened right after that. Oh and, my god! Yeah. Ellen Hoover was 23, and she was the daughter of popular Hollywood nightclub Cairo, and it said the granddaughter of D. 
Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr., but on the other thing, it said that those people just attended the nightclub. So I'm not sure if they're it's the goddaughter, but doesn't matter. Not vital. Yeah, it's not like a key fact. Her body was found buried on the grounds of the Rockefeller Estate in Westchester County in 1977. And she and so when they went to her apartment on her calendar for the night that she was murdered, it had the name John Berger on the date. Yeah. In 20, which is obviously his. Yeah, his alias. Oh, my God. Yeah. In June 2012, he was extradited to New York, where he initially entered not guilty pleas on both counts. In December 2012, he changed both of those pleas to guilty, citing a desire to return to California to pursue appeals of his death penalty conviction. On January 7th, 2013, a Manhattan judge sentenced Alcala to an additional 25 years to life. In 2010, Seattle police named Alcala as a person of interest in the unsolved murders of Antoinette Whitaker, 13, in July 1977, and Joyce Gaunt, 17, in February 1978. Some of their jewelry was found in his storage locker in Seattle. In March 2011, investigators in Marin County, California, announced that they were confident that Alcala was responsible for the 1977 murder of 19-year-old Pamela Jean Lamson, who disappeared after making a trip to Fisherman's Wharf to meet a man who had offered to photograph her. Her battered, naked body was subsequently found in Marin County near a hiking trail, but there were no fingerprints or usable DNA, so charges are unlikely to be filed, but police claim that there is sufficient evidence to convince them that Alcala committed the crime. Yeah. In September 2016, Alcala was charged with first-degree murder of 28-year-old Christine Ruth Thornton, who disappeared in 1977. In 2013, a relative recognized her as a subject of one of Alcala's photos that were made public. Her body was found in Sweetwater County, Wyoming in 1982, but was not identified until 2015 when DNA supplied by Thornton's relatives matched tissue samples from her remains. Wow. And when they confronted him about it, Alcala admitted that he took the photo, but he did not admit to killing her, who, and she was approximately six months pregnant at the time of her death. No. When the person found her body, he found her and, like, a fetus. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, and Thornton is the first alleged murder victim linked to the Alcala photos that were made public. At this time, Alcala, who was 73, was reportedly too ill to make the journey from California through Wyoming to stand trial on the new charges. But the charges have not been dropped. But he has also not entered a plea yet. And in 2019, California placed a moratorium on the death penalty, meaning that all prisoners would receive a stay of execution. So he remains in California State Prison. Over the years, he has been given multiple opportunities to disclose information about any additional victims as part of plea deals to avoid the death penalty. 
but he has continuously refused. So fuck this man. And that is the devastating story of the dating game killer. Oh my god, that's beyond devastating. Like, yeah, he's not even a he's a fucking serial killer, man. Yeah. Jesus. It was just like person after fucking person after fucking person, and there's probably so many more. I wouldn't doubt it at all. Yeah. Also, while researching, when I was on Wikipedia, you know how they have that, like, see also thing, like, down by their sources? Yeah. There was a dude named John Cooper, who apparently is a Welsh serial killer who appeared as a game show contestant. So the takeaway from my whole case today is don't go home with people on game shows. Because apparently they're bad news. <laughs> don't go home with anyone. Don't trust no one. bad news. Except your gut. <laughs> exactly. Man, that was a doozy. Yeah. Sorry, that was kind of long, but. I was just, my jaw was on the floor, like, almost the entire time. I know. Because I'm constantly just sitting there going, and then this person. And then this person. And, and there was just person. so many opportunities for him to be put away so this wouldn't happen. And then he'd get what? Like. 32 months, 18 right. months. <sighs> Life. <gasps> Apparently, it pays to be pretty. He was but attractive. He is like another Ted Bundy who I don't find either of them attractive, but apparently they were, you know. Like I said, it's that that uh, unibrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but even then, like, I don't, I don't know if it was from the time, like, that was like the look to go for, but I don't see it. I don't know. I Man. don't know. But yeah. Those are those are both super fun ones today. Those I mean, are fun. They always are, but you know. <laughs> Jeez. But is there anything you're excited for this week? I'm a bridesmaid in my cousin's wedding. So I... Why does it do that? I heard it that time. So I booked all the flights to get out there because it's in Colorado, which <gasps> I fucking love Colorado. I'm yeah. so jealous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah, it's the weekend after my birthday, so I'm kind of excited. Oh, and my bridesmaid dress arrived today, but I shipped it to my parents' house because you know we were in the middle of moving and I didn't know where to send it. Yeah. So I think next week we're gonna go back home and. So I'm going to get that. I'll have to show you a picture. Yes, but, please. Yeah. I cannot believe my birthday is next month. Like, how is it May right now? It still feels like it's February. <laughs> yep. It still feels like March of 2020. It does. It's just, it's weird how fast things are flying by. So fast. Like, faster than normal. Like, the whole shift, I feel like, happened at the beginning of the pandemic. And it just, like, skyrocketed from there. Like, every, every day is, like, five minutes long. Yep. Like, can, mm-hmm. can they go back to normal? Seriously. Also, another sad moment I shared, because obviously, you know, most graduations are, like, May 8th. Yeah. I, obviously, I graduated a year ago from law school, so, I'm like, my thing on Facebook of my post showed up. And I still have not had a law school graduation ceremony, and I'm still so sad. Did, did they say that they were postponing it, or? Well, I mean, that's what they've been saying, and, like, they sent out, like, a survey that was, like, hey, 
but everyone still want one like one of the best times but it's like i have a full-time fucking job in pennsylvania i'm trying to plan a wedding i already have to request off for that i'm like yeah yeah i want it but like fuck covid i mean I people were dying and that's more serious but you know you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> no yeah it's just i feel so bad for not only like the college kids but like also the high school kids that yeah. didn't get to go to prom or mm-hmm. um here the high school here um some of the parents put together a prom for the kids oh that's nice and it was super nice seeing like the pictures and everything and it's just i feel like everyone's getting robbed of their like high school college experience yeah definitely especially like my brother he's at penn state yeah like he hasn't been able to go out for like football games and anything like yeah this all started he's going to be a junior so like the pandemic started at the end of his freshman year okay i'm just glad he's not a senior and like he still has you know which my other brother he's going to be a senior so I'm praying that this fall because he does um he's in the drum line for the pit marching band okay and it was so I I'm not gonna lie I saw like a memory come up of going to one of the games and Mm -hmm. getting the footage of him running out on the field with all the other bandmates and I was like I started to cry I just feel so terrible that like they're all getting robbed of this experience especially like well, no, for everyone, but, like, I mean, I'm partial to my brothers, but yeah, yeah. especially because I know how much he loves it. No, it's yeah, just definitely. so sad because my other brother, he's like, I hate it here. And I'm like, you're at Penn State. Like, yeah. But hopefully everyone will be vaccinated soon. So, like, you know. I'm really hope I'm shooting. I'm hoping this fall, like, yeah. football and everything will be back to pretty much normal. Yeah. And well, I mean, that's sorry Uh, no it's fine I was just just gonna say like I know my whole family right now is um vaccinated like my family is vaccinated I don't know about everyone else but Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that like everyone is by that point yeah that's why like we were really worried about because we already pushed the wedding back we were like is it like is it gonna be okay by like October 2021 and we were like, fuck, like, because a lot of people, like, venues and stuff weren't letting people do things because of COVID because it's too many people. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I do, I cannot push it back another year. Like, I've waited so long already. Yeah. And, I mean, I know it's, we're basically married, but, you know. <laughs> but. Yeah. No, it's, I'm it's so glad. It's fun to have that yeah. official day. So, I'm so glad everyone is basically going to be vaccinated at our wedding, or at least people that I'm inviting, you know, so. Yeah. But. Like me! Yeah! <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I know, I'm excited too. I love that it was the first, it was the day that we met each other. We were yes. sitting there talking, and then it was like, towards the end, you were like, oh, we're getting married. I was like, oh, that's so fun. And she was like, yeah, like, you're coming. And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> You're like, okay, crazy lady. I just, I already just got over the fact that you're not going to murder me because you're in law school like Ted Bundy. Also, Well, okay. No, I do have to say the biggest thing that made me feel more comfortable was I actually work with her mom at my second oh, job. Yeah. And we I talked had... about this three hundred times. Did we? I don't think we talked about the fact that I actually worked with your mom. No, we do. We have. Really? I don't know. <laughs> but also, don't ever 
compare me to Ted Bundy again. He's the serial killer that I hate the fucking most. Me too. So don't ever compare me to him again. Thank you. I'm not. No, you were the, the one whole... that actually brought it up. I was like, well, you went to law school and you were like, yeah, but so did Ted Bundy. And I was like, True. so not my fault. You're right. Okay. Okay. I'll but take the blame. <laughs> it was so funny because it was like, I mean, we the day that we met, we were like, I feel like we've been friends for so much longer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think you were crazy at all. I actually got super excited and you were like, I love that you didn't oh, question that. <laughs> good. I'm glad. I'm glad. So. But yeah. So just in case you were super wanting me to do Ted Bundy, I will not. I will Unless not he's part him. of the ABC murders, then we'll, we'll cover him. Hmm. But also there's so much on him that like, what more could we add? You also, know? fuck him. Yes. I mean, fuck yes. them all, but you know. Him the most. <laughs> <laughs> but Okay. This will end here. Happy Mother's Day again to all of you wonderful mothers. You cat moms, you dog moms, you people moms. You, you plant moms. <laughs> plant moms, yeah. If you take care of anything, you're a mom. Yeah. So. Them. Yes. Okay. So don't forget to follow us on everything. A little thing called murder. A-L-T-C murder. Mm-hmm. A little thing called murder at gmail.com. Don't forget to give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Or anywhere that rates anything, you know. Yeah. See, like, uh, rate us. Yeah. Give us all the stars. Yeah. Because we love you and we hope you love us. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, I think that's all. Yeah, I think so, too. All right. Well, don't forget to trust your gut. Because it's better to be fucking safe than fucking sorry. All right. You guys have a wonderful week. We love you. We love you. Talk to you later. Bye. Ew, David.